No. No. Now we are. Ah, now we're in. Phenomenal. Still, we have not uh, become experts on the software that we continuously use for this podcast, but one day we'll get there. You know, that's uh, my bad. I should really know that stuff better than I do. Um, and so we haven't really worked out a, a formal format <laughs> either. No, we haven't. It's uh, we're doing we're doing better though. I think. Well, I don't know because in episode thirty three or thirty two, um, my criticism is that I'm not sure that we identified the show until we were 45 minutes into it. (laughs) (laughs) Which could be said to be not ideal. I mean, that's one supposition. That's true. Uh, But I think there's only one way to rectify that. There is a way to rectify it, though. Yeah. Well, tell me, man. Well, I think it's uh, in the process of saying... Welcome back to Inherently Human. <laughs> oh. uh, this is episode 33. My name is Aiden DeBoer. And I'm Jim Newman. And uh, our branding here, our shtick, our aesthetic, our... Uh, oh, there's more words for it, well, I know. our way forward. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the reason that we get tune-ins from... And this actually is true. I've seen uh, a map that's provided by Podient... And that's the host for this podcast. And it shows that we've been listened to in South America and Europe. And the only reason I could think maybe someone did that there, and this, I guess, is being way too self-critical, is because they want to learn English. And uh, therefore... Using us, the yeah. inherently human. You know. I like that idea, but... Even so, I think we still have fans all over the world. Well, I think, yeah, I I know that we do have a core in uh, Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Curious how that works out. Yeah, but we I interrupted the flow of the format right there. Do we do we really have a format though? I know well, we're in no. the discussion of like, oh, what is our format, but. I think that's part about being uh, inherently human. Well, what I actually did, yeah. I, I didn't interrupt the format because you're right, we don't have one. But what I did do is interrupt your flow as you were explaining to our listeners what the shtick is, <laughs> what our reason d'etre why why they should listen to us yeah why they should keep yeah. listening what is it what's what's the motivating premise behind the show well uh from the discussions that we've had for the past uh 33 some odd episodes mm-hmm. um i would think that it is because that i am 21 years old uh and that i'm 73 then yeah you're saying so you would submit (laughs) that it's that 52 odd year difference in our ages i would absolutely think so i think that is the all right uh, our our brand that's what we're doing here that's why we're inherently human because no matter how old you are how young you are no matter what generation you come from that's uh, very that's well said, man. <laughs> Why, thank you. I think that we'll we'll always have uh, things in common. People will always be people. Humans will always be humans. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It just, that's how it is. 
uh, and it doesn't matter that there's 52 years in difference between Jim and I. Uh, we still love having our 45-minute conversations that y'all love to <laughs> track in on. And so, you're saying, oh, excellent. This is music to my ears because uh, you are underscoring precisely the purpose <laughs> of, of these podcasts. To and, show <laughs> that, yeah, age alone doesn't need to be a barrier between people and relating. Because mm -hmm. uh, we just spent something like mm, the main part of an hour talking about video games. We did, yeah. In our last episode. <laughs> uh, in the last episode. And then between the last episode and this episode, oop, uh, uh, Jim and I were still talking about Skyrim, uh, and I showed him <laughs> the a, Elder Scrolls. The Elder Scrolls. The uh, Elder Scrolls. Uh, and so I showed Jim a couple videos of Skyrim, uh, which are very, I would say, and I'd never seen anything like that before. They're very impressive. Yeah. What was your favorite part? Uh, the forest. Oh yeah. I liked the snorry, snowy, yeah, craggy uh -huh. forest scene. Yeah. I mean, the mist is rolling off those high peaks, and it's a lonely, barren landscape. Mm -hmm. And then, right on the horizon, you see something unnatural flapping by and you realize no this isn't an eagle or a crow it's a dragon <laughs> and it's coming at you and it is rendered in believable imagery i mean mm -hmm. it's an excellent well painting of a landscape yeah no and it moves yeah, it's even better because now you can walk all over it. You can do whatever yeah. angle you need. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we were we were in awe of the art style that came out of Skyrim, mm -hmm. and so I mentioned to Jim uh, a, another game that came out actually fairly recently. I think like two years ago, uh, called Cuphead. Um, for those unfamiliar with Cuphead, uh, it is a oh. The technical term for it is called bullet hell. Bullet hell. And it's, mm -hmm. it owes something to mm -hmm. the Mario games, right? Uh. Well, I mean, in terms, simply in terms of the structure of the contest where um, people move in two dimensions mm, and things mm -hmm. are thrown at them yep. from various angles and yes. they can explode on you and kill you. Yep, that's it. You know, yeah. that's a, that's the perfect way to describe that, right. actually. And, that's flawless. And that's been there for a long time. Yeah. From Donkey Kong, I guess, mm -hmm. and all of those old, old games. Mm -hmm. That's still happening, although in some ways, and maybe you can point out why, Cuphead is more sophisticated in some ways, right? So Yeah, a little bit. Just because uh, the way that you're describing uh, the video games of, you know, the late 80s, uh, right. early and 90s. Somewhere in there, yes. Yeah. Um, 
the back and forth left to right scroll is ever present and that's something that you mentioned that's the mario style the projectiles coming at you that you must avoid uh in order for you to go on living in the game absolutely that was perfect uh the only difference between these mario games and cuphead is that uh cuphead is using a art style which is very refined uh based off of 1930s cartoons um, yeah, and amazing. It's beautiful to look at. The colors are incredible. The music is awesome. Uh, and the way that the characters, Cuphead, and the bosses that he fights are animated is very reminiscent of something that uh, Jim had showed me that reminded him of Cuphead, which was a Betty Boop cartoon from 1933. Yeah, produced in New York City by the Max Fleischer Company. And as I understood it, these animators were young men in their 20s mainly, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe in their 30s as well, who, in order to come up with these strange plot points for the Betty Boop cartoons, seemed to be mining the dark side of their own subconscious. And so if you watch some of that, and I think it would be kind of great if people who uh, might happen to be interested in this, if they would Google uh, Betty Boop as Snow Snow White White. in uh, a Max Fleischer cartoon, because what you end up seeing is a performance by a a great singer of that era in the 1930s named Cab Calloway. He's doing a dance, and I think they rotoscoped him so that that ghost character is, in fact, Cab Calloway dancing, dancing, and you hear him singing as well. And it is a strange song called St. James Infirmary, and it's very dark. It's like, when I die, put gold coins on my eyes and this kind of thing. And it's very eerie. And the performance is in a cave. On an ice float, I think. Yeah, well, it changes. It's all over the place. And there's an evil witch. And all of this from 1933 has been brought forward. The aesthetic is perfect now in a video game called Cuphead mm-hmm. that I didn't even know about. I did not know about Cuphead and the mining of the 1930s graphic style until we finished episode uh, 32 no more than an hour ago. And uh, in the conversation, I just learned a tremendous amount. Yeah, I. Uh, it's... A lot of uh, information I'm kind of spewing at Jim uh, about video games, uh, how they work. Yeah, uh, I just the, never was the exposed. art styles and just I'm trying to I'm trying to say a lot, and I think the best way to really learn Jim is by just playing them. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, that's an investment though. Oh, it absolutely and, and, is, and it's yeah. also a tremendous learning curve and as i've demonstrated with great 
profundity. I don't forgive that word. That has very little meaning. I, but in any foundational sense, I can't even use the software very sophisticatedly for uh, Logic, the audio platform that mm-hmm. we're recording on. So I think I'd have uh, considerable trouble trying to get up to speed with uh, Cuphead or um, that other video game that you described in such great detail. Skyrim. Skyrim, <laughs> The Elder Scrolls mm-hmm. by the Bethesda video game company. Yes, that's yeah. the one. Um, you know, and that's it. That's fair. There is a whole lot of different mechanics that come in and out of the game itself. But for a good portion of it, it does do a really great job at teaching you the mechanics of the game. Oh, uh, oh it does? It's self-instructive oh, yeah. as you go along? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, so you could start out as a novice Mm-hmm. And have fun uh, on an afternoon playing the game, probably, huh? Absolutely. Uh, you could come in. It could have been, at least with a lot of games nowadays, too. Um, you can come in. It could be your very first game you've ever played ever. Yeah. Um, and the tutorial that it will take you through really teaches you the mechanics of the game uh, just enough where you can grasp the concept and then you use the concepts in game, and so it really solidifies the information that it's given you. What if you find yourself um, at a loss as to what to do next? Can you stop the game for a moment and go into the reference material and figure out what to do next? Or are you locked into the progression in such a way that the whole world comes down and flattens you because you got no defenses. You don't know what's going on anymore. Uh, you can pause games uh, yeah. so long as they're like a lot of single player games. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I could see if it was a internet game played yeah. with a number of people in different locations, you couldn't do that. Exactly. Uh, so with like Skyrim, for example, like you can pause the game, a everything will player, stop. Yeah, a single player game. And yeah. a lot of times, there are a lot of games that still hold those references for you. Uh, that holds the information in some capacity that it can teach you. Uh, mm. But thankfully, with the internet and the way that it is, if you do come to one of those like really uh, dead standstills in a game, you can just look up what you need to know and. I guarantee someone is there who has done that thing and posted a video. Oh, yeah. Thank mm-hmm. God for people posting videos. Yeah. That's how I get through a lot of software, whether <laughs> uh, it's Photoshop or Logic or whatever I'm trying to use. Yeah. God bless the Final Cut. That's a video editing system, too, mm-hmm. and people are always very helpful because they do come up with those videos. But, you know... Um, after episode 32, mm-hmm. I asked you something that we didn't talk about during the podcast, and that was how you experienced subjectively the game. And then you kind of told me uh, what it was like to be Woodsley, the, the wood, wood elf. elf, in real time when you are playing the game. And I wonder if you could just kind of briefly uh, <laughs> outline that world and how you, Aiden, as Woodsley, experience 
um, your time in that medieval landscape that you then immerse yourself in. Right. Um, so I found myself to be someone who was ever powerful. Uh, As the wood elf. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where everything in that world could realistically bend to the will that I desired. Okay. Um, I could change things as I wanted, or I could, if someone was around that I didn't like, I could (laughs) kill them just right there. Um, I, I had the ability to kind of like test my own morals a little bit. Well, wait a minute. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. How, how do you mean that now? Well, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, who, who's the bad guy in this situation? Okay. Who, who am I? Because, well, does that bring up like sadomasochism or something? Are you actually hurting people just for the pleasure of hearing them scream in agony or what? You I mean, could, you could, you could do, do, that. do that. You could, you could do, do that. that. Wow. I don't do that because okay. that. There was a something that I read once that yeah. said, uh, "Oh, what was it? Uh, well, if you, a if, commentary, uh, some yeah, sort of essay yeah. on video games, or something." No, it okay. was it was this quote. It was something along the lines of, "If you have full total control, uh, or if you could play God, then why bother with morals?" Oh, if you're yeah, a God. like absolute power yeah. corrupts absolutely. Yeah, kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah, yeah. I and think that's true. A true. response to that just was because doing bad things makes me feel bad. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, God bless you. I mean, that that's a really good answer. I think. And so, and I, I read that, and I was like, yeah, that's. That's that's, that's fair. Me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that like, why would I go into this uh, town and kill all these people? <laughs> murder everybody. Because I'd feel bad that I had done it. Okay. And so, even though they're in a sense, yeah, uh, the, apparitions. They're imaginary. Exactly. They're they're simulated yes. lights on a screen made up of numbers. True. And but like. I just feel bad if I, they if I had no reason to do that to them. Yeah. Why yeah. would I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, drag the dragon uh, absolutely had a reason because it tried to kill me first. Uh, right, which brings me to the experiential oh, aspect, yes, yes. where you are suddenly playing the game and. You as Woodsley the Wood Elf, which mm-hmm. that is your avatar, walking down a snowy forest path. Yeah. Right? Okay. Why don't you take it from there and tell us what might happen next? So you're walking down the snowy wood path. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trees are there. You watch the snow fall. You Very can realistic. see the sun yes. uh, shine through the trees. The lighting um, is great. You can hear the slight music in the background that they provide, but additionally, mm-hmm. you can hear everything around you. You listen to your footsteps crunching <laughs> into the really? snow. Oh, absolutely. That's very cool. Um, you can hear your armor jinkling around. Yeah. Um, you can hear the birds. You can hear uh, bears sometimes. 
If you find those, you can hear the river there next are, to you. Really? There oh, are bears? The, the bears are harder to kill than the dragons. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That like, is cool. I'll fight a dragon, but if I see a bear, I'm running way the hell away. Is those that things, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bears Dude. are the worst. I once got cornered by four bears, um, and I just I quit the game. I <laughs> uh, is that right? Well, I just I want to interject. Not. I, I want to interject, yeah. not to interrupt, really. Except yeah, I am course, interrupting. But uh, the movie The Revenant is amazing because yes. Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. uh, gets mauled by a grizzly. It yep. is one of the most amazing scenes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay. So now you're on your path <laughs> as Woodsley. As Woodsley. Yeah. Um, and I come into. Uh, I come to the river in which there is a bridge, a beautifully designed stone bridge. Uh, And as I cross the bridge, I find myself at some crossroads, uh, beautiful trails that lead to either side. And directly ahead of me, I see a giant mountainside uh, beautifully casted against blue skies uh, and the sun behind it as it slowly comes across the horizon. Yeah, lovely, lovely scenery. Absolutely gorgeous. And you see the flowers beside you in all different kinds of colors mm. uh, and the animals around you. And you can see for miles upon miles mm. of land. And it's so big and Im- Im- impressively massive. Um, and you can even see uh, how... Uh, on some of the mountains, the mountain tops are concealed by the clouds. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's seductive to want to be in that landscape. Oh for yeah, sure, absolutely. And then as you're walking along this wondrous, wondrous fantasy path, you hear mm. the uh, the screeches and the 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 shouts and the the growls of something coming over the the horizon ahead of you you can't really see it until you find this massive thing come over the mountaintop silhouetted by the sun above it with these bat-like wings and huge thick tail ah the dragon the claws that hang below it and the teeth gnashing at its front and you see the horns and every single scale as a dragon falls into your path and it lands only there to quench its its thirst for your death yeah it wants to eat you whole exactly that i've Lap actually up the remains of your blood on the trail oh there have been a couple times where I've been eaten by a dragon in that what? game. What? Oh, oh, I'm sorry fucking, to hear it that. It sucks. Man. It kills you instantly. It's awful. Yeah. It's very, it's very annoying yeah. when you. I would be annoyed. Yeah, you almost, you almost got this dragon killed. You've been fighting it for a while, and sure. all of a sudden it just bites you, gnashes you around, and then throws you. Yeah, it's awful. Man. Man, fuck dragons. Uh, you know, and one cool thing about those dragons is how ratty their wings are. Oh yeah. I mean, that's just a little touch of realism that works for Mm me because these dragons have been through it i mean they who knows what happened and trying to land in the trees they get ripped up and so they're shredded and those wings continue to reflect that that's just realism it allows you to really live in that fantasy world oh yeah uh, it really does well with how ancient the dragons are in showing their age wow 
Um, it's it's a really really beautiful game. I think you would like it. You know what does strike me is that I'd probably want to be high. Oh when... yeah, I I was for a good majority of it. <laughs> just, just because it, when I when I would smoke and I would put my headset on and, and then I'm, you're there. Oh, I'm right? in it. I'm with it. Oh. I am so immersed. It's beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. You really start caring for you as a character um, and the world around you. And depending on how deep you decide to get into the lore of the game mm-hmm. about you how... Start understanding the Elder yeah. Scrolls uh-huh. and the meaning of what they represent, exactly. etc. And their power that they yeah. have. Yeah. Um, something else in Skyrim that you can do is at some point you have to literally delegate a war. I don't um, understand. What? <laughs> delegate a war. A know? war, yeah. So wow. uh, there are a bunch of people on top of a mountain who are neutral in the entire land of Skyrim. Uh-huh. And Skyrim is being fought over by the Imperials versus the Nords. There's a lot of complexity here, man. Oh, yeah. And so you can find these like really high up characters like the generals or the kings who are called Jarls. Um, and these people, and you can ask them what they think of the war. You can find books, uh, that have perspectives on the war of Skyrim. You can talk to people in towns and see what they think of the war. You can talk to people who are affected by it, people who are in it, the soldiers. And at that, using all of that information, uh, at some point there is a delegation council with these people on the mountain who are neutral. Uh, with the the generals and the kings of the opposing sides. Right. And then you, as the person who has helped both sides, who is essentially also neutral, but someone who is very important in the land of Skyrim because of the Dragon Scourge, you are delegating uh, a treaty between these two warring people. Um, so you can end up as a peacemaker yep. then mm-hmm. what's the advantage of that though because then the fighting's over and uh, all you got is nice views uh, i mean i guess there'd still be dragons but there we go the uh, <laughs> so that and the bears oh god the bears oh you got to stay away from those <laughs> bears man but is it true then you can actually end the war? I guess that would be a way to feel good about yourself, yeah. right? I don't know if you can officially like end the war because essentially what you're doing is that you're just coming up with a treaty for uh-huh. the two people so that everybody can deal with the dragons. Oh, so okay. it, it's pretty so it much unifies un- unifies everyone for the fight. Yeah, against it, it, the it unifies everybody against a common enemy. Ah, yeah, okay. sure, and so. It, it, it's how you delegate it and, like, who gets what land. Uh, oh, you have to decide that. Yeah, who gets control Man. over land. Okay. It's uh, It was hard. I did not pay attention to the politics at all. All well, and so that's I just, your bad man. Yeah, no, it was. I just tried to click through, and hopefully, no one got too mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a charlatan, Woodsy. Yeah, no, man. Woods Lee. That was that's his name. I'm a, I'm a traitor to uh, so many lands, but all I want to do is kill dragons. Yeah. And, Raid dungeons. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I love the culture here. 
because there are so many elements. I mean, personalities, like you were saying, the generals or the dignitaries, and you consult with them, and they actually listen to you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I and, mean, and and this, yeah. you have choices. You, you, Woodsley or Aiden, mm-hmm. you actually are in the game making choices, and they respond. The The other characters act mm-hmm. like you are one of them yeah and so it extends the illusion of reality in some way that well standard entertainment can't do i mean that's nothing new i guess everybody that plays games knows that very well but i i didn't understand the breadth and the depth of the detail that mm-hmm. goes into this stuff oh yeah uh, I mean, with these games like Fallout or uh, the Elder Scrolls, any of those, yeah. a lot of these open world games are what they're called. There is so much that you can do uh, because they have to fill the land with something. Mm-hmm. And so they fill it with little details. They fill it with little side quests, people that you can talk to, <laughs> items that you that can idea. find. Uh, Just and, like people you might meet on the street and say, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, fine. I have a headache, but I'm fine. You know what? I can't yeah. think. And my, my husband was eaten by a dragon. Can you kill the dragon? Oh. Oh, it looks like I'm going to go off and kill a dragon. Say, ma'am, for you, I will do that. Mm-hmm. You could reject it and never kill the dragon at all. Sure. Or you could do it. I mean, it, it Just it's like truly... in real life. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know how often I can kill a dragon in real life. Nah, Never presumably oh. unfortunately <laughs> we're we're 99 sure that you can't kill a dragon in reality but we gotta stay skeptical because you never know what might happen <laughs> and uh, that's called cryptozoology Ooh, yeah like is nessie in loch ness the plesiosaur just that, a non-extinct dinosaur yeah is is Nessie real, for example? And that would be, I guess, some kind of dinosaur slash dragon you could kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I guess let's go kill Nessie. Let's in kill Loch Ness Nessie right now. for sure. Let's <laughs> get rid of wow. old Nessie. You know. Uh, while you we're at it, can we go like uh, skin Bigfoot? And <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that because I'm reading a book right now. Yeah. On Sasquatch. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Let me hear it. I was just about to ask you on your thoughts of on Sam Squanch. Uh, well, the thing <laughs> is, this book, uh, and the reason I picked it up, mm-hmm. it's called, oh, it's a beautiful title. It's called In the Valleys of the Noble Beyond. Ooh. In the Valleys of the Noble Beyond. My God, I love that. By John Zeta. Zeta. Is that Z E T A? Z A D A. Oh. And this guy is a very thoughtful man, and uh-huh. he goes up into the northern reaches beyond Vancouver Island, where there are multiple islands and there are well ocean saltwater mm-hmm. channels mm-hmm. that intersect this land and it is heavily forested in a dimension that he says is unimaginable because we 
living in uh, the environment we do, which is so heavily developed, we don't understand spatiality when uh, those mountains go on and on and on, and there is nothing there but trees and moss and rock and water and wild animals. And his contention is that, um, you know, while he's not sure he believes in Sasquatch, uh, it could be there because we don't understand how broad and huge that area is Mm -hmm. and how easy it would be for a smart primate to hide out there forever. Right. And what he does, he talks to the indigenous people up there and, well, he's a skeptic, but what happens is... As he discusses, there's a town up there, Mm -hmm. and it's right on the border of wilderness, and it's called Bella Bella. And I'm not sure I can pronounce the name of the tribe, uh, the indigenous people that live up there, but it is an indigenous community. So many of the people who live there have heard the Sasquatch scream in the night Mm -hmm. that animal is said to have a penchant for throwing rocks at the roof of cabins when it's nightfall and you are all alone or it raps on the door or the walls or the windows and it's always screaming always screaming yes You'd think that would give it away, wouldn't you? It's scaring you, and they think maybe it wants to do that. Oh, so it's purposely intimidating you so you don't come looking for it. Well, we don't know its purpose, Yeah, but yes, it is scaring people, and some contend that it very well understands that it's doing that. And is doing it on purpose uh, for reasons that, you know, supposition might suggest, yeah, scare you away uh, or something like that. But every once in a while, uh, someone actually sees one of these huge primates and they are giant, like seven feet with Mm -hmm. jumbo hands and huge big feet. Oh, wonders. Yeah, no surprise. (laughs) But the... Well, there are varying reactions to that, but some of the people have just been completely traumatized. It would be like you or me, I'm guessing you, but for me, let's say I actually saw a ghost and it came up to me and said, hi, how you doing? You know, that kind of thing would scar me. Oh, yeah, absolutely, for the rest of your life. Because how do you come back from something like that? Something that you've never really believed could happen just out of the blue comes up to you and actually starts talking to you oh yes and you're (gasps) you know i mean you just your whole mechanism Mm -hmm. your psyche cannot absorb that there's no way to integrate the information and it just drives you crazy and so that kind of thing that kind of trauma 
mm-hmm. uh, is reflected up north in areas where people have actually seen, they say they've seen, Bigfoot. What do you mean by the trauma is evident there? By that the people, the people yeah. that the, the people suffer uh, some sort of depression afterwards. Oh, and in one case, uh, a person quoted in the book, and I'm only halfway through the book right now. Okay, yeah, but um, one fellow remarks that his—I'm going to say father. I think he was talking about his father, but some older person who had seen Bigfoot afterwards was never the same and i'm (laughs) I'm guessing and the implication was that he was never the same in a bad way right yeah didn't make him more cheerful or insightful hey guys i saw bigfoot (laughs) yeah i loved it it was great we're gonna have him over for cocktails (laughs) oh but that's wow uh do you what do you what do you think about the show finding bigfoot then well, I've never watched it, and uh, the reason I've never watched that kind of stuff is because, it, in a way, it it annoys me. Yeah. Because I think th- that those people might very well believe what they're saying, but since I don't share uh, that assumption that these creatures are real and not just hypothetical, um, the fact that there's no proof mm-hmm. and... If one of those shows had somehow discovered incontrovertible proof, then it would have been all over the headlines. And yeah, since it true. hasn't been, then I already know how that show <laughs> is going to turn out. There's not going to be a resolution, and so I just wasted... Uh, unless I'm really taken by the personalities of the people involved or the photography, I've wasted my time. That's true. I'm you know. pretty sure... Uh, Sasquatch Hunters or Bigfoot Hunters, whatever the show is called, I'm pretty sure it has, uh, I think, like six, seven seasons. Yeah, I don't know how you get there. <laughs> I mean, it's like those Ghost Watcher or Ghost Hunter shows. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It just, it really, it tries so hard, and it. I always think it's really funny when it's like, this fall. <clears throat> no. Here, hold on. Let me get my. Yeah, yeah you got do it. Better. No, you do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Gotta get the. He's prepping. He has to prep. Everybody what? does. And now. Toy boat. Toy here's, boat. Toy boat. Yes. Now, Aiden DeBoard will announce. Season seven of Sasquatch <laughs> You're so good. This is okay. great. So. <clears throat> I'm not going to say anything. Just go ahead. (laughs) Okay. End of this summer. (laughs) The finale you've all been waiting for. I love it. Okay. The final episode of Bigfoot Hunters. Unbelievable. And then it does the song. Yeah. And it's like. And say, wow, okay, I know that they kind of ripped me off for the last five years, but now they're really getting down to the bones of it, and I'm going to learn something. We're finding Bigfoot, finally. It's season seven, everybody. So I didn't waste all that time. didn't waste seven seasons of watching the same people in the same damn forest trying to find the same damn thing forever. 
They're finally going to find Bigfoot, everybody. They finally did it. They did it. They uh, they were able to find Bigfoot, uh, keep it from everybody, edit all the footage, and then tease me for uh, two weeks yeah. that the season finale is finally coming out, that they found Bigfoot. Everybody, but it's then happened. you know you know what happens. Did they not find Bigfoot? Well, what happens, and this is hypothetical. <laughs> uh, they're walking through um, the underbrush yeah. in the forest, and they discover some hairs. Oh. And they realize those hairs are much too coarse to come from an elk or anything like that. Right. So they take them and they look at the DNA, and they find out, wow. It's not an elk, and it's not a bear, and we can't figure out what it's from. So, that shows it's got to be from Sasquatch. It's only Bigfoot. It yes. can only be and Bigfoot, And so, everybody. yeah, we didn't get a body, <laughs> but we got a strand of hair that, you know, by all reasonable inference, is from a Bigfoot. Uh, we also have I this. Feel good uh, about that. <laughs> this casting of Bigfoot's foot that we bought from Home Depot. Uh, <laughs> also proof, by yeah. the way. <laughs> also very, I yes. Undeniable, like if even Home Depot has it, like of course it is undeniable. Then. Yeah. <laughs> See what we didn't know that in the season seven finale of Bigfoot Hunters, Bigfoot was there the whole time. Yep. The whole time he was right under our noses. The giant seven and a half foot tall hairy monster thing was in the Bigfoot Hunters searching for himself. It was a it was a spy operation the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I guess I buy it. You know, on that level, I when I was working for Oregon Public Broadcasting, I did a story. Yeah. With a man who was in his twenties who had seen Bigfoot. Oh. And. You know, it turns out that that story still gets played on Oregon Public Broadcasting, and it has had more views than any other story mm-hmm. from Oregon Field Guide, the show really? I was on. Yes. Wow. And, I guess that makes sense, though. Well, I mean, it was one of the first, it was, uh, good God, it was, uh, I think it was before you were born. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, that would have been in, uh, 1990. Yep. Eight years. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but, <laughs> but <Excuse me. laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> so, but the, uh, 1990, this, uh, individual, mm-hmm. um, really was convincing. He was so appealing. It wasn't even funny. Yeah. I mean, we took him out into the foothills of the Cascades, yeah. uh, you know, uh, just uh, outside the Willamette Valley, and we were in this gorgeous area. It was a misty day. Mm-hmm. The rain fell sometimes, but there was fog rolling up Ooh. the canyon. And Very it, ominous. Almost. Oh, it was gorgeous. Yeah. So he was perfect mm-hmm. to have this man on camera because he was open-hearted. You could tell he was just a good person, and he really saw it. You know, and he said at one point, we were just talking and the cameraman was shooting, and he said, wait, hear that? And it was like, no. And it was, be be quiet. There. 
And it was like, what? What? I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. <laughs> Microphone, did you get that? Yeah. Did you, hold on. Uh, we didn't, <laughs> Play it back. You know, Play it but, back. Uh, it, it was so convincing yeah. to be out in the woods with a guy who say, wait a minute. Hear that? It was, it was so, oh. look, it made that story, and yeah. I'm sure right. that is why people love it. And and therein is the power of Bigfoot. It is that emotional connection yeah. that you can experience to the out of doors and all of the eeriness and mystery and fear, really, mm-hmm. of the unknown. Because what the hell? You know, you can't survive out there yourself. Right. <laughs> but this animal does, evidently, you know, and that's powerful really i think it had it's a really good symbol for the mysticism of the forest having this this creature that really embodies the environment that it's in but is very powerful and mysterious at the same time just kind of like the power of the forest itself yeah it's almost kind of like a, a tool that one can use to to understand or communicate yeah in some embodiment the the fearfulness at least that i feel mm-hmm. when i know that it that there are forces more much more powerful than me and i could not survive and that's scary. Oh, yeah. No, that's terrifying. Yeah. I don't think I could have any capacity in the forest for more than a week. I don't I don't think I would even last a week. Real talk. Well, I mean, at 21, <laughs> you might. <laughs> more than I would. And, you know, so that embodiment, that's, mm-hmm. you, at least Bigfoot exists as an embodiment of yeah. that emotional state that humans feel when contemplating the wildness around them if bigfoot is not literal yeah. bigfoot is metaphorical yes and still important in a oh way. absolutely yeah and we got on that um <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for listening to uh, inherently bigfoot this has yeah, been episode. <laughs> yeah the bigfoot not cry is there one called the bigfoot chronicles i mean bigfoot? there actually might be, probably but... is so i shouldn't i shouldn't say that uh <laughs> well you know what jim this has been an absolute phenomenal time uh i'm aiden deboard my name is jim newman uh this has been inherently human uh episode 33 inherently bigfoot yeah um uh because aren't we all a little bigfoot in the end uh because we we all have metaphorical aspects uh, we're, i guess we're all a symbol for something yeah yeah, sure. I like that. I All right. That. <laughs> well, lovely listeners, go find your symbol. Uh, and thank you so much for listening in. We will see you with uh, Inherently Bigfoot episode 34. <laughs> All right. <laughs>